One thing about mama, she is going to make sure that everyone else is taken care of before she even thinks about treating herself. So if you are looking for the perfect gift to make mom feel special this Mother's Day, make sure you check out the Mega Moisture Duo from Osea Malibu because body care is self-care. Since 1996, Osea has been making clean, clinically proven, seaweed-infused skincare. So this Mother's Day, treat mom to the everyday spa experience she deserves. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GSPP at OseaMalibu.com. Plus, you'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to OseaMalibu.com and use code GSPP for 10% off. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. (laughs) I could really use Current. (laughs) I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. You can wish for it, or you can work for it. You gotta work for greatness. If you ain't working, you should be working. Welcome to Confessions of a Workaholic, where we share the success secrets of fearless female entrepreneurs who are obsessed with success. This is your girl, Coriel. So excited to have you back for another boss episode with another boss babe. This episode is brought to you by Work, Pray, Slay Weekend, which returns to ATL October 31st through November 3rd. For details on how you can attend the biggest and baddest women's weekend of the year, be sure to log on to workprayslay.com. So today we are talking to Monique Rose. Monique is a serial entrepreneur and co-owner of The Real Milk and Honey Restaurants. Monique's businesses have brought in over $10 million in revenue, and I am so excited for her to share her success secrets with the workaholics. So Monique, are you ready to confess? Um, I'm so ready. Thank you for having me. Of course. I'm excited to talk to you. So um, I really like to start out the show by just asking what you started your career doing, because I always find it so interesting how our passions tend to lead us away from our profession. So talk a little bit about how you started out your career. Um, well, <laughs> who would have known that I would end up here, but um I have always been a worker. Like I've always had an incredibly, incredibly like just strong work ethic. Um, My mother, I watched her work two, three jobs when necessary. So I've always since 13 just had a job. But in regards to the industry that I'm in now, um, I'm a bartender by trade. So I started bartending at 18. So I've been doing this over 20 years now. Um, so even when I had other like nine to five day type stuff, I will always somehow be involved 
in the industry one way or the other, whether it was bartending somewhere or managing somewhere. Um, I own my first bar at 22. So um, yeah, it's just been in me as far as entrepreneurship and being involved, particularly in this industry. Um, this is the first time with Milk and Honey that I've owned like a full service restaurant. My bar has probably had, you know, a couple of fryers, just bar food and stuff like that. But um, I've always been involved in the service industry in some form or fashion since, yeah, since like 98. Okay, so I want to take a step back and talk about some of the obstacles that you faced early on um, that you were really able to turn into opportunities. So how would you say that being a teen mom helped you prepare for the life of really being your own boss and paving your own way? Um, I just think it instilled a, a different sense of responsibility in me. You know, I've always been a pretty much responsible person, but to get pregnant at 16, which was extremely irresponsible, um, kind of instilled in me just, uh, it just lit a different kind of fire. Like, um, you know, it's one thing to just take care of yourself. And, and my drive from the beginning was really, I was just moved by not wanting my mom to have to work so hard, you know? So at 13, I get a job because look, I don't want her to have to buy me clothes or school supplies and stuff like that. Um, having my son at 16 just really, put something in me where I didn't want, I wanted something better for him. You know, like I wanted to create a legacy. I wanted to show him that there was something more than just working nine to five in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, your entire life, you know, that's where I was born and raised. So um, it just instilled, it just put, a, it just lit that fire. It was already there, but it just took me to a whole nother level. I didn't have much of a choice, you know, um, being a parent, although I had support, I had help, but like I said, my mom worked, so um, I had to provide. I had to make sure that, you know, um, my son had what he needed, and I really wanted to be a great example for him um, of what hard work can do, because I always knew from a little girl I hear, like my family tell me all the time that um, that I would always say, like, this is not it for me. I'm getting out of Milwaukee. I'm going to be a millionaire. I'm going to, you know, they remember that from a young age. And I just really wanted to show him something different. And I knew the only way that I knew to get there was through hard work. So having that natural um, like work ethic and that natural hustle about yourself, then having a baby unexpectedly, but still having that natural hustle um, and know the things that you wanted to do and see, you know, the things that you wanted for yourself. Did you have to deal with the doubts of other people during that time? And if so, how did you deal with those doubts? Because whether it's, you know, a teen mom who says that she wants more or um, a, a, a teenager that's not getting the best grades but talking about all the things that she's going to do or someone who may not be as successful who looks as successful right now but talking about all of the things that they see for themselves a lot of times people can't see in you what you know yourself to be so they you know put their doubts off on you so how did you deal with those doubts um again I kind of just twisted it and let it fuel me like I've always said like I, I really thank God for the people that said I could not do something because I'm a Capricorn. I'm very headstrong and stubborn. And if you say I can't do something or I'm not going to be able to do something, chances are like 99.9% .9 of the time that is, I will do just that. So of course, getting pregnant at 16, um, this was 1996. So back then, you know, it's like, oh, so she's going to drop out of high school. You're not going to finish high school. Okay, well, guess what? I'll finish high school. Oh, no college is going to accept you because, you know, my grades were horrible. I wasn't going to school like that. I was working. So, oh, you're not going to get into college. Okay, so 
I take the ACT, get accepted in the UIC. Um, you know, and then, oh, she's not going to finish that. You know, it's just every time they said I was not going to be able to do something, um, I just felt even more compelled to do it. Um, for five years in, in Milwaukee, I owned group homes. That's what I did. That's truly my passion, like to help young girls. And I wanted to have like, like a pregnancy prevention program for teenage girls. So I went and I applied and they said, oh, there's no need for this, these type of services. There's already, you know, 86 group homes. There's no need for it. But that didn't deter me. I did it anyway. And by the time I closed my group homes, I was on a two-year waiting list. So it's just always been, um, again, motivation for me. I'm already, I have a lot of self-motivation. I can do it, but that just kind of pushes me over the edge because that's just a challenge to myself. Like, well, you say I can't do this, but well, let me show you how I can. Okay, so I wanted to ask about the group homes because I love that you have had success and had, you know, different projects in different industries. So aside mm -hmm. from the restaurant industry, you worked, I don't think the group home is an industry, but in that industry, um, right, that exactly. industry <laughs> how did you manage to, or do you manage multiple businesses or multiple projects in multiple industries with the whole, you know, you don't want to get caught up in the jack of all trades, master of none. Exactly. Mm -hmm. who are passionate about a lot of things and have, you know, multiple skills and multiple gifts and multiple talents, but they don't want to spread themselves too thin. They don't want to try to make a name for themselves or build a brand in multiple industries. How did you best manage multiple projects and in multiple industries? Um, I think, I think you, you touched on something early um, in your question by saying like mastering something. By that point, by the time I had opened the group homes, um, I think seven eight years so I must have been bartending for like eight nine years at that point um so I kind of had that down and I had to been on you know a bar um it takes some energy it takes some yeah any business takes some focus but it wasn't something that required a hundred percent of my time and all of my effort I was so good at it that I could do it without much effort you know what I mean so it just was like okay that kind of took care of itself and then um I had to throw myself like all the way into the group homes because um, it was something that was new to me. I was opening a group home with no, I didn't finish college. I didn't have a college degree. Um, coming, writing treatment plans and all, it was new to me. You know, it was something different. So I really had to throw myself into it so that I could be the best at it. Um, and I didn't have a lot of help. Like, um, Milwaukee is like crab in a barrel, seriously. Like, it's not like the saying, like nobody wants to help anybody. And so I tried to ask everyone I could think of that already had a group home, you know, what do I need to do? What should I be doing? What should I be buying? What are the things that I should be? And I couldn't get answers anywhere. So I had to kind of just like figure it out myself. So um, at that point in time, I just really, I committed to that. I didn't really do too much else at that time. I still had the bar going and things going because I needed the income, but um, it was just to make, generate money. You know what I mean? Like I would do my all in that all day and then go bartend at my bar at nighttime. Um, so it took a real commitment of time like, I, again, but my work ethic comes in. I was used to working 16-hour days and then getting off and working again and getting up and working 16-hour days. Before I had the group homes, I was a correctional officer. So I worked in a jail, and those are long hours, holidays all the time. So my work ethic just throughout any industry that I've been in, um, I've been, I worked at an investment firm. I was Series 7 and 63 licensed the first time I took the test. Again, without a college degree, that was, again, just because my boss, I was the only Black person, black woman at that in the building, but black person. And they said, oh, don't worry about it. We failed the first few times. <laughs> It'll be fine. You know, you're not going to pass the first couple of times. Oh, okay. Well, yes, I will. 
Um, and that I, I realized that wasn't um, where I fit. That's not what I wanted to do. I wasn't happy there. So um, that's actually, I left there and went and opened the group on myself. I have to do something that, that fuels my passion, not just, you know, getting a paycheck. So um, I think it just was, was prioritizing and making good use of my time and not being scared to work long hours and work all day and then work at something else that night. And then it kind of all just balanced out in the end. You have literally lived nine lives. I love that you have <laughs> had all of these experiences. Listen, if I start listing out like the places that I've worked from, you know, the pharmacy to the daycare, to the bank, to the telemarketing, right. center, all of these different crazy places. But I really feel that each of those experiences taught me something about myself. It taught mm -hmm. me what I really want do, what I don't want to do, what I can handle, what I can't, all of those things. So I think it's so good that you have all of those different experiences to pull from that have literally added value to what you're able to um, produce today. So we always hear like these horror stories about the, the restaurant industry, like how hard <laughs> it is to be successful. Um, what lesson, if there was one, I know you've been in the industry, you know, for a very long time, but what is one lesson that you wish someone would have taught you before you got started? Um, oh, that's a good one. Well, the good thing that I had was that I, I, I made a lot of my mistakes in learning with other people's money, <laughs> with other people's brand. Like I didn't really, um, like I said, this is the first full service restaurant I've been involved in. Um, in this with milk and honey, I wish, what would I have wanted to know? Um, that it's okay to not think small. Like I really, when we opened the first Milk and Honey in Beltsville, Maryland, our goal was $5,000 a week. We were like, if we could just make $5,000 a week, we could pay this rent, pay, you know, a couple people to work here, maybe make a couple dollars. Like that was, I mean, looking back on it now, like I laugh about it. Like that was crazy. Like why would I, why would that ever be, why would I want that to be what, what my goal was but at the time that's what it was I was like if I could just get that much in revenue we'd be okay and it, that limited my thinking at the beginning and it kind of boxed us in a little bit um and then when it became to to be bigger than what um we imagined it was like oh it, it became kind of overwhelming whereas if I would have at the beginning shot for the you know, the moon, if I would have landed in the stars and I'm like, okay, I didn't do that. I kind of did it backwards. So if I, if I had to do something differently, I think that, um, like me and Chef Sammy would have sat down and really had a different kind of vision for it. Like we didn't catch, like this milk and honey is bigger than anything that we imagined. Um, and I wish we kind of would have prepared for that as opposed to like working into it backwards. So I definitely think, especially in Atlanta, where, you know, the the black cuisine, you know, is on every corner and a lot mm -hmm. of it tastes real delicious, but we can't <laughs> always get that service together. We can't always get the service together, black people. That is something we are definitely working on here in the city of ATL. But one thing that I personally really loved about my experience at The Real Milk and Honey was the service. The staff was friendly, they were helpful, and the food was quick. Um, but besides just having great food and having good service, what would you say is another must-have in order to have a successful restaurant business? Um, you just have to, you have to do one thing really better than anybody. Like, that's, that, that's where the trying to do everything doesn't work. Like, um, like Cheesecake Factory is like an anomaly. It, there, that's not gonna if everybody tried to do that it wouldn't work the 32 page you know menu like that doesn't 
typically work. They, they built something that, you know, works for them. But outside of that, um, most restaurants, that's where they go wrong, trying to be everything. You know, you're a pizza place that sells burgers. And if you're a burger place, you want to sell a salad because that's what they want. You know what I mean? Like that, that to me, because um, I also do restaurant consulting. That's where I find that most um, restaurant owners or people that want to open a restaurant go wrong. Um, we do brunch and we do brunch better than anybody. And we just stick to that. Like we haven't really wavered from it. We may add a little bit. We may um, edit a few things, give you some specials, but the core of it, the shrimp and grits, the, the things that people come for, like that's not going to change. We just do that. Mm, better let me tell you what people, let me tell you what people need to come for. Them fried <laughs> crab legs. Okay. Oh, yeah. I know y'all ain't never heard about them fried crab legs before. <laughs> I I and I just had to tell, I mean, I was just, I had to tell everybody about them. So I'm telling y'all to definitely make sure y'all check them out um, here in ATL. And you also have locations in the DMV. So talk about the different locations that you have um, where people can come and, and taste these fried crab legs. Oh, they yeah, got fried legs. I mean, so we, have, we got deep fried biscuits. We have everything fried, basically. <laughs> it's not the place to come um, if you are, you know, watching your way or counting calories. But um, yes, we have locations in DMV. We have one in College Park, Maryland, Bowie, Maryland, um, in DC on Georgia Ave. Uh, Woodmore Town Center is opening uh, probably within the next 30 days. And then we have another location on 14th and H um, in DC as well. So we have five locations in, in the in the DMV area. Um, of course, the one on Main Street in College Park in Atlanta. And then there's a second location. Um, I won't announce it yet because I haven't signed the lease. I just got the term sheet. So I'll wait on that. But a second location coming. Awesome. Coming soon. Yep. Hello, awesome. second location. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so we got to talk about um, the other milk and honey. The elephant not, in not the room. real. Let's the elephant in the room that is staring at me, staring me yeah. down. Okay, so let yeah. me tell y'all. If you are trying to find the real milk and honey and you type it into Google, another location might come up and it might mm -hmm. confuse you. So yeah. let's talk about why there is another location with a similar name. Okay. Well, you talked about, you touched on, you said, well, what are some things you would have done differently? This would have been one of the things I would have done differently. Um, a couple years back when we had just opened our first location in Maryland. Um, and again, like I told you, I, I was dreaming small and envisioning small and we didn't, we didn't think big. Um, uh, some people that owned Epic Lounge there, um, which was about to close, approached us and said that they really needed a concept there. They wanted some help there. Um, we used to do pop-up brunches at Epic Lounge, amongst other places. My Fair Suites um, gave us um, her restaurant on Sundays, like places that were closed on Sundays typically. Um, we would go in and do our brunches, uh, myself and Chef Sammy on Sunday. So Epic was one of the places that we had done. And we had a great turnout and uh, um, great feedback and people loved it. Um, and so when we went to the D DMV area, people were saying, when are you going to come back to Atlanta? When are you going to come back to Atlanta? So anyhow, long story short, they approached us and said, can you um, do something here? So we said, okay, we'll put a milk and honey where Epic Lounge was. And we'll license you the name and you can use the name. We just ask that you maintain the integrity of the brand. Um, and there just were some stipulations we put in place. Now, this was two and a half years ago before I, you know, had lawyers and knew what I knew now. Um, and we allowed them to, to use our name and we consulted and helped them open the restaurant. Unfortunately, as um, time progressed, the food was not um, up to our standards for milk and honey and um, the staffing wasn't and there just were continuous issues and we attempted to work them out and it didn't 
it didn't go so well. Um, so um, when we decided to come back to Atlanta, we gave them one more shot, let us back in, let us do this the right way. And they didn't want to oblige. So um, hence the real milk and honey, because we wanted people to understand that this is a true Chef Sammy brunch. You are really experiencing milk and honey. And I wanted Atlanta to, to know really what milk and honey the brand was unfortunately um the restaurant at cascade just doesn't line up to our vision and our mission for for milk and honey so we wish them the best and i hope everything works out i think it's a little weird that they want to keep our name but knock yourself out oh, um, weird. So we're, we're yeah, weird. it's very weird but you know if, if if you know that to me is just a testament to the power of the brand because even though they're not doing what it just you know they'll wait because it's a milk and honey you know what I mean? And I just think that that just shows how strong our, our brand is. So, you know, it's unfortunate. I really wish that um, it would have worked out differently. But even that instance taught me so much because we've been approached a million times since then. I mean, there's not a day that goes by that I don't get an email or a phone call about that somebody wants to open a milk and honey. And so it has really altered um, how I deal with those situations and made me take my time on that. And I'm actually about to enter another license and deal with a huge um, company. They're actually probably going to be a billion dollar company within the next year. And, um, but it, that little small experience in Atlanta taught me so much about going to sit at the table with this larger company about the things that I did not want to ha happen and the control that, that we needed to have. And, um, for Chef Sam, you may have be able to have the ability to go in and say, no, you know, quality control. This is not my food. This is not my, this is not my dish. You know what I mean? So um, as unfortunate as it, as it is and was, um, um, had it not happened, I probably would have made bigger mistakes with more money. You know what I mean? In a different right. situation. Had I not experienced that. So yeah, we wish them the best. And um, I hear they're opening more locations um, and, <laughs> and we'll just, we'll just keep doing what we do you know people ask all the time about the competition how you feel about it. I, I don't know how you compete with the people that created it you know what i mean like i wouldn't even I want to you can't uh, why, why and how how could you possibly compete with chef sammy's food when it's his food you know what i mean like i just don't understand why why they will want to do that and um you know it, it is what it is but um we that's why we're pushing the real milk and honey <laughs> please come experience the real milk yeah, and honey with the, the real experience yeah, that, that's um, only on Main Street right now, but the second location is coming. And then you got five in the DMV. I got lots of listeners in the DMV, so definitely check them out um, if you are there as well. Okay, so you probably already answered this, but what is like your best advice for successful business partnerships? Because although that element of the you know partnership did not work out, it sounds like you and Chef Sammy have a very strong business partnership. So for people out there who might be, you know, toying with the idea of partnering with someone in business, what is just like that number one thing, aside from getting it in writing, because at this point in 2019, come on, mm -hmm. we, we know we got to get it right. in writing. Exactly. But aside yeah. from that, what would be like just your best advice for successful business, long lasting business partnerships? Um, you have to really, if you have a desire to, to be in charge all the time, then, um, you know, it's probably best to just do business for yourself and with yourself. You know what I mean? Like in order to partner, to truly have a partnership, there has to be a respect for the other person's, um, talents and, um, what they bring to the table and their contribution to, to the vision. Um, I just happen to have a real gift of birthing people's visions and growing into some you know because milk and honey is not again this is that's not my passion that's not 
what, you know, keeps me up at night and what I think about, you know, when I see my future, but I'm really, I'm good at it. And, and Sammy had a really good, he had a dope concept. I think Milk and Honey is amazing. Um, the first one was 12 years ago in Atlanta. That one failed because of a bad partnership that he had. So now even, you know, it's been a learning lesson for him to see, wow, this is where my brand could go with the right partner. You know what I mean? And um, Sammy's really, really good at, he's a dope chef. He's been cooking for 22 years. You can't take that for him, from him. He's really good at marketing. Um, but the business piece of it, he was missing. And um, the things that interest me that I'm okay with, like before I call, I'm sitting at the computer, you know, going over the number, those type of things don't excite him. And for me, it's like an opportunity to learn, okay, we did this at this location. How can we grow at the next location? And how much, and if we have five of them, how, you know, my goal was, you know, I want to sell this thing in five years for, you know, a whole lot of money. How can we do that? And me being able to grow the company and the business while he's able to create just creates like a beautiful partnership. Um, I don't have any desire to do the things that he does. Have I learned them? Yeah, which is, you know, like I've been booked as, as, as a chef on many occasions now because I've trained with the best. Um, I know it, but that's not, you know, I'm okay with not doing it. So I'm not gonna, we're not gonna be arguing over, you know, what he's putting on the menu and what, and he's not gonna talk to me about a certain vendor that I choose or go to every meeting with me because there's a trust there and we understand the role that each person plays. Um, so yeah, I think, and then our work at this, like, line up, like, we met, um, he was the executive chef at TI's Restaurant Scales 925, and I was the GM. He actually hired me, um, and from that, we just knew, like, his, I've never seen any, there's about a handful of people I know that work as hard as I do, and he's one of them. So there also doesn't create a, a feeling of, like, resentment. You know, sometimes if you partner with somebody and you're doing all the work, it's like, okay, what, <laughs> what are we doing here? What why are we doing? We, yeah, why, why, why are we partnering? Why am I partnering with you and I'm doing all the work? Um, because I partner with somebody that does the same amount of, not the different work, but doesn't mind working. It doesn't feel, there's never any resentment as far as that's concerned. So um, don't get me wrong, it's not it's not a uh, perfect, it's not easy in business. Um, we're now engaged. So that takes it a whole nother level. To be a, <laughs> a relationship. I love somebody, it. Yeah. That, that you're in business with. So that's even more complicated, but, um, we, we, we respect each other in business. Like I, I really, I admire his work and I think vice versa. So it just creates a real, a situation where, um, you know, it, it's just all good. And trust is important too. You have to trust the person that you're in business with, you know, that even if you're not in a relationship with like a business relationship is like a relationship. And we've tried, it is a marriage. we've tried to like partner. We've had one or two occasions where we try and it just didn't work. And at this point we had to say, you know what? That's just not for us. That's not, mm -hmm. it's not going to work because everybody doesn't catch your vision. You know what I mean? They want, well, they want to switch it and turn it into something else. And they think that milk and honey should be this. And no, this is this. We're going to go what we're going with until, until the wheels fall off. It's working. You know, we don't have two, three hour waits for nothing. So. I love it. And this is definitely like full circle because I did not know that you all were at Scales 925. I have definitely hosted a brunch at Scales 925. Oh, really? <laughs> In the past, one of hands down, like that meal um, that everybody kept ranting and read. They were real mad at us the next year when we took it to a hotel. <laughs> for brunch they were super mad um but definitely excited um congratulations on the engagement excited to be able to support a black business a black woman owned i know you're a co-owner but i'm gonna still say yeah. a black woman owned business. Yeah. um and of course you know being able to celebrate that power couple showing that you can 
you know, have the best of both worlds. I have always said forever and ever that I wanted some honey to go with my money. And I love <laughs> that you all, you know, are living, breathing examples that you can be bossy, but you can do it with the one that you love. You can build this black wealth. Um, and so I love it. This has truly um, been, I think, an amazing conversation that my audience is going to appreciate. I know they have been appreciating those gems that you have been dropping, Monique. Please let them know where they can find you online and how they can um, connect with you on social media. Absolutely. Well, of course, Milk and Honey is first. So uh, the real Milk and Honey ATL, if you're in the DMV area, is Milk and Honey, the number two on Instagram. Um, for myself, it's The Monique Grows. You can find me. That's... Um, my Instagram, my website is MoniqueRose.com. I do um, restaurant consulting, but I also do business consulting and brand management as well. Um, Mink and Honey will be launching soon, which is um, a beauty brand. Uh, so we'll, we have lashes and, and hair and um, some really great skin products that I've been working on for like the last two years. And finally, I'm about to launch. Um, so I'm excited about that as well. So there's a lot of things that are, um, that are upcoming, but The Monique Rose, you can follow me on Instagram and you'll keep up to date with everything. This has been another game-changing episode of Confessions of a Workaholic, meant to empower and encourage you to get that ass to work. You already have everything you need to get everything you want if you're willing to do the work. Thank you for tuning in. I love you. What if I told you that you can support your blood pressure and healthy CoQ10 levels with two chews a day? The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. That's like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 supports your cardiovascular health. Visit RadioBeats.com and find out how you can get a free 30-day supply on bundles and save 15% with the promo code DEAL. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.